what's up everything the blues are not up they are down and they need to pick a lane we'll try to figure out what the hell is wrong with this team but we'll be unsuccessful we'll have a lot easier time talking about what the hell is wrong with jack edwards out of boston though because he is a moron pat maroon is still a hometown hero baby so let's get started and let's go blues Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Thursday, December first. Somehow, already December, the last month of the year. Happy Unbelievable! December. Uh, happy December, everyone. Yes, we will be for those we'll who celebrate Christmassy from here on out. Uh, but there are not glad tidings on the horizons for the St. Louis Blues. I'm glad. You know what? I'll just say it. I'm glad they lost tonight because I feel like <laughs> I feel like I can commit to a direction on this podcast now. You know, I every week it's it's been a roller coaster. Everyone's aware it was an eight game losing streak. It was a seven game winning streak. Now we've lost what three of our last four, four of our last five. Yeah, four um, of our last five. And we have averaged five goals against or something in that stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, not good. It's not good. And tonight was no exception. We went up early, had a really good first period, I thought. I left the room, didn't watch the second because I knew what was coming. Uh, the Canes scored three goals in a minute and four seconds. And uh, even though we tied the game from there, they dominated the third period. Well, I wouldn't say dominated, but took advantage in the third period late and scored two goals on the empty net and won 6-4. So, um, you know, it's been kind of our trend lately not to go deep into the game by game. Might do that a little more here. Um, But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. What are your overall feelings right now as I handle someone on Twitter who's saying that Jordan Bennington is really good <laughs> and not? Let me let me handle that, man. Yeah. Um, you know, this this game was like, you know, they they went up or they were up, whatever it was, through, or two to one. 2 nothing, 2-1, it goes up 3-2, they tie it, like you said. This game just felt like a 500 game, which is what this team is right now. Um, it just felt like they, they, they play well for stretches and then they 
play just really shitty and on their heels for long stretches too. Like, despite having a pretty good first period, um, they still like lost the Corsi four battle in the first. They were like at forty percent to the Hurricanes, sixty at five on five. Um, they were getting out, you know, goals expected um even more so in the in the second and everything and it just kind of went down the tubes after that i mean they were their course four in the second was 25 percent at five on five like jesus um <laughs> i the i think what let me see let me see i'm we're doing this on the fly we're doing an audible um they had goal scorers that were let's see who in here Pavel Bushnevich Nolachari, who's seemingly can score goals now. Uh, Tori Krug, who's been a little bit of a heater. Ryan O'Reilly. Um, all players that can score. All players that you would expect to score. Maybe not Nolachari, generally speaking, but in this season, sure. Um, at that first goal by Bushnevich on the power play was freaking sick. Thomas, like, with a sick pass over to him. Uh, the Achari goal, he gets sprung by Letty. He's in, uh, he's in, he fires the puckets on edge, it, it beats um, Ranta. And, like, this team looks fairly fairly good. They're getting outshot, but it's like, okay, they're capitalizing on their chances. We have the talent. They've always had the talent. That's why they went on a freaking seven-game winning streak. That's why they won the first three games of the season. But then it just, the wheels come off. I think it's three goals in, like, just over a minute. And I don't care how they get scored. I just don't. They, this is like one wrote up a stick. One was like, you know, bounced off the wall. And it's like, whatever, man, like put your foot down, put your skate down and stop the bleeding. It seems like whenever they get scored on, it just has to come in bunches. It just so happens that in this game, it was in the second period. And in some of those other games in this like five game stretch, it's been in the first period right off the hop. Um, you know, Tori Krug, they tie it on the power play, a sweet pass from Bushnevich too, from like behind the net for Krug. Um, and then it's just, it's, it's, they, they look like crap in the, in the third period. You know what? They look slightly better, but they don't look good enough to take the game over, which is another problem I had um, when they played Dallas. Uh, you know, they go into the third period in that game too. It's tied. They can win it, and they it, it just they let the other team grab it. I mean, that's what they did with Carolina here. Carolina had let's see. I mean, they're they didn't even have more shots for, but like from everything I saw, they were like more dangerous shots. They like most certainly looked like they had a better chance of scoring in those the opportunities they had. I just felt like we didn't look all that great in the third. Two empty netters. Ryan Riley scores when we pull a goalie, which is surprising that doesn't normally happen with us um Pareko, i think it was on the martin goal i don't know what the balls he's doing um like it's like a turnover in the neutral zone he's flat-footed like it's just these weird little mistakes and it's these things that will constantly talk about needing to clean up right they talk about every loss so like well it's just, just a couple little things a couple little things here and there you got to clean up but they but they don't get cleaned up <laughs> they're there consistently like you said five games uh played averaging five goals against a game um they they scored four goals like the blues scored four goals this game they scored freaking what was it like three in the last game they had the comeback against florida where they scored five like th- the blues essentially 
have to outscore their problems because they can't seem to keep the other team from scoring, whether it's defense or goaltending, that's both um, in a lot of these cases, but it's like, it's just, it's kind of painful to watch defensive wise. Like, and that's why, I mean, I think that's why you see a team that's 500, right? They can score, they can't defend. So sometimes they score more, uh, you know, they're able to outscore their problems. Sometimes they don't. Um, you know, it might sound as simple as, although, you know, you score more goals, you win the game, but it's like, they just can't help themselves from giving up scoring chances. They freaking bleed them. This game, they had, uh, 12 high danger chances, uh, against at five on five, and they only had five of their own. Um, it's just, it happened. It's happened this whole period. It happened during the win streak, like we talked about, they were bleeding chance. It just so happened that our goaltending stood on its head. Um, I don't know. It's annoying just because they'll they'll play freaking who is it? Uh, the Penguins on Saturday, and they'll beat them, and they'll be twelve and twelve, and we'll go. Well, you know, I mean, we won't, but you know, the Royal we will go. Well, you know, who knows? This team, this team might be able to get it together, and then they'll lose the next game. And they'll be twelve and thirteen, and it's just like this is not a. This is not a good team. Like, I think that's pretty clear. And I think that's something that you should be allowed to say at the at the quarter mark of the season. And I, I think of it like goaltending, right? Where like if your goal if your goalie's inconsistent, that's a bad goalie. If your team is inconsistent, mm-hmm. that's a bad team. Like, are they Arizona Coyotes, Chicago Blackhawks bad? No which is kind of what's frustrating because it's like we're too good to be actually bad, like tanking, but we're too bad to be in the conversation to be like, oh, they could be dangerous in the playoffs. Like, so help me God if this team just squeaks into the playoffs, just just squeaks in. Um, I don't know. We can talk about some of that when we talk about the, the uh, Doug Armstrong article, but I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about where this team where this team is at after these five games this team this team fucking sucks i mean they're not they're fundamentally not good on on any level they have a a pretty good offense that doesn't execute especially well on special teams Hmm. and everything else is bad everything else is bad not like kind of okay not like mediocre not like rough around the edges bad with a capital b and a capital d and a lowercase a because that looks weirder they're the the goaltending's bad man i mean we can't i don't i because because jordan bennington like yells sometimes people feel the need to defend him like he's the heart and soul of this team if he was the heart and soul of this team, the defense would want to play better in front of him. I don't, I'm not saying he's the problem. He's not the problem. The defense is the problem, but Jordan Bennington's not bailing the defense out. The defense is terrible. It's so, 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 so bad. And I mean, I, I genuinely think it's the worst defense in the league, but you know, there's this group of people that absolutely think, the goal the def, the goaltending is fine and i don't get that at all um it, we have according to 
I mentioned to you earlier this week, there was some website I looked up where the Blues had had the weakest strength of schedule so far this season and had like the ninth hardest the rest of the way. If mm. that's true, I th- and I think this week we're seeing what that can look like. We play teams like the Florida and Tampa and the Canes and we play the Stars and we get our teeth kicked in because those teams are too good and we fuck around and find out. That's basically what the 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 definition of this team is right now fuck around and find out because you know you're not you're just not good enough to make up for your mistakes several times now they get get a lead or they get a little momentum and then they just collapse you know this whole game has changed in three minutes and you can say what you want to about well then if they played good than that one minute they would have won easily but they didn't they played humongously badly in that one minute you know it's like i just don't i'm tired i'm kind of tired of making excuses for this team and pretending like something's going on here that's not because i think they're bad i think they're fundamentally bad i said it the other day i said they might be mediocre enough in this league that rewards mediocrity to be a playoff team but I don't think that's true anymore. I don't think this team makes the playoffs. They're just too freaking broken. I don't see how they possibly could in this division where, you know, the the stars are obviously really freaking good. The avalanche, you would expect to still be really freaking good. The Jets seem to be legit, or at least Connor Hellebuck's legit enough to to carry them and the wild are starting to heat up. Like, I don't know, man, how do you get into the playoffs against that? And then, you know, that's assuming that the fifth or the, you know, eighth playoff spot goes to us and not the Pacific who currently have the flames in fifth and whatever the flames problems are, I would, uh, you know, argue that they're a better team than us. You can say what you want about the eight game losing streak and you can say what you want about the seven game winning streak. But to me, it looks like the eight game losing streak is a lot more realistic than the seven game winning streak. Um, right. And know, it's and- even some of those games too, you know, you, you play who you play, right. But some of those games, that seven game winning streak are against like, yeah, Anaheim I mean, two of, two of them were against Anaheim. That Jose, invalidates the like, whole thing. The The Anaheim Ducks are awful. I mean, they're so bad. <laughs> like, So it's really a five-game winning streak with your games against Anaheim at the end of it, you know? Right. Like, that's the thing. Like, you're saying this team is um, in, like, the fifth, fifth spot from, like, or fifth spot out of, like, the division. So they're like, yeah, Edmonton, Minnesota in the playoff spot or in the wild card spots right now, Nashville, Calgary are right behind them. And then we're behind Calgary. Um, and again, and you're you're two points away from being in a wild card spot. And it's like, oh, well, see, it's not, it's not so bad. You can, you can, you can do that. You can make the ground up. And it's like, okay, fine. Make go do it. Go, make the ground up. Let's let's mm-hmm. see it. Let's see it happen. Just go do it. And they don't, you know, like the fact that you can sit there and like, well, they're just only two points behind. Man, they could be two points behind freaking all year. And I guarantee you it's going to be more than that. Like, <laughs> I, it's, I don't really, I don't know. I get you can look at those numbers and you get the warm fuzzies, but it's like, it's, the record is 11 and 12. 
they're a minus 17 currently, like worse than any team above them right now. Um, freaking Nashville's not even good and they're above the Blues right now. Like, not not great. Like, freaking Vancouver, who's behind the Blues by only one point, is a minus eight. So, see, I know this is maybe being pessimistic. I, I'll acknowledge that. But you could say, oh, the Blues are only two points out of a, a playoff spot. But I could also tell you they're only, like, one point ahead of Vancouver, two points ahead of San Jose, who's dog shit. Well, that's uh, the thing. Five points out of Arizona, only five point. Come on, man. They're on. If if I can interrupt you for a minute. Yeah. The Blues right now they have 24, 22 points. That means they're behind the Montreal Canadiens. They're sandwiched between the Canadians and the Sabers. Nobody has any trouble admitting those teams fucking suck, man. Nobody has any problem with that. Nobody has any problem saying the Flyers suck. And nobody has any questions that the Capitals are bad enough that their coach is about to be fired, at the very least. Nobody thinks the Canucks are good. Nobody thinks the Predators are good. Nobody thinks the Flames are pointing up to expectations. Nobody thinks the Sharks are good. This is the company we keep. And it's just pure blind fan bias to say oh but the the blues though they can turn this around no problem it's like no they can't you're a quarter of the way through the season now doug doug armstrong when he made his first press conference and like you mentioned we'll talk about the the more recent article in a minute he said well you know 10 percent of the season becomes 20 percent of the season real fast well now we're 25 percent of the way through the season you know 28 percent what what are we waiting for to see, you know, there was that quote, I guess maybe we could just go ahead and get into it if we want to, because we've talked about it enough, but there was that quote in particular, um, I'm pulling up the article now where he said something along the lines of, I know what our identity has been in the past. And I don't think this team has an identity yet. That's one of the struggles our coaches are having right now. You're a quarter into the season and you still haven't found anything you can hang your hat on and say, this is what a good game looks like. Doug, that means your team's fucking bad. There's no, that's good teams are not looking for their identity 25 games through the end of the season. Mediocre teams aren't looking for their identity 25 games into the season. This team is rotten. It's rotten from the back. You know, you know, they say championships are built from the net out. Well, uh, pay attention because <laughs> rebuilds are built from the out net in. You know, like I don't it, this. The defense is awful, and our identity has always been the defense. And now we have enough. We have enough um, offense to sometimes offset it, but not always. And, you know, if you look at last season, what's changed? The biggest two things that have changed, and we talked about this before, are we had like a astronomically high shooting percentage last year, best in the league, I think you mentioned the other day. Right, 5 best in the league. And we have Billy Huso, who was standing on his head and making up the difference, and the defense was playing better in front of him because of it. We have neither of those things now. That's the difference, I think, between us making and missing the playoffs. And, um, you know, don't look now, but I think Billy Huso's stats have been really good in uh, Detroit 
which, you know, I'm happy for him. He's got a nine fall save percentage with 258 goals against average, three shutouts, league leading, three shutouts, goals saved above average, three. You know, he's doing perfectly fine in this new home, and, and we're the team that's, you know, missing out and looking worse for it. And I'm not saying we should have kept Puso. I don't think there was any way for us to keep Puso, but I think when you lose that big a part of your team and – you know, don't have an answer for it better than Thomas Grice. You get what you paid for. Right. Like, so that's, yeah, I was going to say, like, so that's where I'm at. (laughs) No, yeah. Like, I was just looking through some of their, some of their stats for this too, where I was like, their high danger save percentage is actually like, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six. 13th 13th in this last five game stretch so not you know pretty middle in um but our like overall save percentage and this is like all strengths i believe is like third from last 30th in the league mm-hmm. over these last five games 87.79 percent so that's like yikes uh high danger chances against per 60 is also we are 29th we've allowed the fourth most uh per game 14.5 high danger chances against and it's it's rough this defense real rough um so the thing doug armstrong i don't know if you read this out but like did he did you read out that he quoted 2019 no i was going to talk about that let me bring it up again uh the quarter mark is too early to panic he said uh, and he reflected back on that team and said, a lot of pundits thought we were a solid team, a cup contending team, but we weren't playing like it. We wanted to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Good players have bad years. I learned that early in my career from Bob Ganey. Good God. If he's <laughs> going to have a 12 or 16 year career, they're not all going to be memorable. You don't want to make a mistake out of frustration. On a Western Conference road trip just before Christmas, a shift began. We didn't win the games, but we started to play really well. It didn't look like we had turned the corner, but inside it felt like we were turning the corner. In January, Jordan Bennington came in, and a storybook season was had after that. We ain't got a Jordan Bennington, though. And you already say, said you're not making a coaching change. Those that's were the, thing. the two. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. You sweat you people are like, yeah, and January happened. I'm like, what else happened, dude? What else did you do? You got a new goalie and you got a new coach. Like things. It is mind-numbing to me that people will point to that season. It's mind-numbing to me that people will point to that season at all. Period. Full stop. (laughs) Because it is fundamentally insane to point to a once in a lifetime comeback story of of miraculous Disney movie proportions and be like, but see, it's happened before, right. you know, like. That's straight up to me is like pointing at like, uh, I don't know, ba- being in a baseball game and being like, well, remember that one time Lance Berkman hit a, hit a fucking ball on his last strike of the whole season. And uh, then fucking David Freeze hit a home run on his last <laughs> strike of the whole season. Well, that could happen again. And so we're going to bank on that. It's almost, That's it's, the plan. It's like pointing to that time Fernando Tatis hit two grand slams in the same inning on the same pitcher. <laughs> and like, yeah, that could happen anytime. Yeah. That's the thing people, I'm like, yeah, this could happen. And you almost, to win a cup, it has to be like a magical run. I don't think any fan of any like team 
It could be a freaking, you know, the second cup of the Penguins and, you know, 2017. It's like they all have that feel because so much has to go right. So if you're going to say, well, it could be magic and they run to the cup again, it has to be. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the probability is so low. Is it possible? Sure. Is it probable? No. And that can't be your plan. I understand all Doug's comments where he's like, can't panic, don't want to make any like panic moves or blah, blah. I get that. That's you're a GM. You can't just be like, oh, and just trade somebody. That's like, those are the bad ones. That's fine. <laughs> but like, it's, God, it sucks. It fucking sucks because I I don't even disagree. Um, like, I think I saw someone on Twitter that was basically like, well, I want to shake up, but like, there's so many no trade clauses on this team and the people they want to trade the can't trade is O'Reilly Teresinko. Also Doug's fault. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's like, so yeah, and it's like the defense too. Well, you're not going to trade anyone the defense. They cost too much. They stink, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, you're right. We're pretty much, you're, what's the old um, Jeff Merrick thing or Elliot Friedman thing? One of them says it. Uh, They always say this. Um, You know, (laughs) when you're in trouble, other GMs aren't throwing you you know, life oh, preservers and anvils. Yeah, anchors. And it's like I get it. You can't trade when you're when you're down, when the chips are down and stuff. But please let this inform how you're gonna move forward. Like how you're gonna but, be like, oh, this team needs to take a step back to take two forward, which he literally said. I'm like, please. He says that, and I'm so thrilled that he understood that this man understands how you might have to build on a team. Like we know he's done this before, right? Like he, he traded Stasny, he traded Shattenkirk, called those years a wash. And like, we managed to get pieces out of that and everything. I'm hoping he's seeing that this year because it, I like that he said that, but then it bugs me that he goes on to say stuff about like how um, this market, like, you know, we don't want to go on a rebuild or retool because yeah. then you're bad for a while. And this mar- I don't know about like this market handling it or whatever. Let me read that. Yeah. Because uh, I've got it in front of me. We all have a different definition of what a retool, rebuild, or re-whatever means. But it really just... He hates saying those words. Yeah. He's so phobic of uh-huh. rebuild, retool that he'll always like, it's the weird, I don't even want to yeah. say it. So I'm just going to say rebuild, retool, re-whatever, re-whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call it. That's what yeah. you want to say. I don't want to say exactly. that. That's what you're Regeneration, saying. whatever you want to call it. Uh, to me, taking a step... <laughs> This is the this is the positive part. He says, to me, taking a step back to take two steps forward, I have a vision for how that would look like, or how that would look, excuse me. But taking eight steps back and trying to pick in the top five for the better part of five or six years, those things sound great in July, but they're not a lot of fun in January. And if you do that year in and year out, it takes a special market to be able to sustain a revenue and keep fans wanting to come out and see that team. Look at the teams that have done it. Their attendance has dropped significantly. When they come back, they'll probably have great attendance again, but it's still a business at the end of the day, and we still had to put a product on the ice that can sell tickets. I do feel like the, there was a conversation with Tom Stillman between his first press conference and this <laughs> one, because that's a very owner-friendly answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, I get that. I don't even know if you need that. I don't know if you need a down full down to the studs rebuild, you know, right. but you need something. God's sakes. You need something. <laughs> and I more. think there, 
Sorry, go ahead. Oh, so you got to do more than that. Now you're just now you're just boogie board. Right, exactly. But I I think the reality of this team is whether you want to do a real rebuild or not, like it's going to be a while before you can really compete for cups again because this defense is too much of a mess. And it's Doug Armstrong's fault. He's got nobody to blame but but himself. But, you know, he went out and signed Nick Weddy. He gave Colton Pareko a long contract extension, betting on, um, you know, betting on taking a discount after a year of injury, which ended up being obviously a, a cataclysmically <laughs> big mistake. Um, Justin Falk, you know, he's been the best of them, but I, I don't think he's been very good, to be honest with you. He's, got, he's scored a lot of points um defensively i don't think he's been especially good um can't say enough bad things about tory krug and i've been trying to defend him for a while you know but he's been awful this season and isn't producing offensively the way he'd need to be to make up for it Pareko played a direct role in scoring that um and conceding that go-ahead goal and his you know goals four per 60 are just awful i mean he's just so bad it's cold break is so bad <laughs> I mean, he, we've been he went from like before before petrangelo left like mm-hmm. maybe cup run even before the cup run honestly i guess it's been a while but like when he first got here it was like oh we got another one oh shit and then it was like okay he's not quite petrangelo but he's pretty good and then even in the cup run, I was like, all right, he's just, he's not Petrangelo, but he's doing his job. And then it was like, okay, he's not Petrangelo and he's just all right, I guess. So no, he's not Petrangelo and he's bad. He's actively bad. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, he can, man, I thought about that today too. I was like, that guy is an offensive black hole. Mm-hmm. Like has, has an asset, I, can I fire thought, the puck and that's it. I thought that he carried the puck in it at, some point today and i really thought like there is nothing i would rather see than i would less want to see than colton perico carrying the puck into the zone you know it's just so it's so embarrassing and it never works out well um sorry this Corey Krug quote was pretty much uh the antithesis of everything we've been saying. He's saying we're a good team. Our record doesn't exactly show it, but pretty soon we're going to going to over we're going to overtake games and we're going to put together 60 minutes. We're playing good stretches of hockey against pretty good teams. We have a chance to win. It's starting to come. It will come. Uh, I pre- I appreciate the rah-rah, Tori. I do. Um, but I don't believe you. <laughs> I mean, what evidence is it that it's starting to come? I just don't, like, what have we That's started? what I mean, like, the underlying numbers, the whole, like, December, we kept losing in 2018, but the underlying numbers are good. I was like, the underlying numbers right now are still bad, so. Not right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else is there to talk about with this team. It's, unfortunately, we're stuck in just, like, a hard place. Yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly. We are not going to make a lot of. We're not going to cover a lot of new ground right now until things start to change. We've got Pittsburgh 
in Pittsburgh on Saturday at Madison Square Garden on uh, Monday at New York Islanders on Tuesday. And then we host the Jets in Colorado. I mean, it's not getting easier. Those are five very losable games, the way this team is playing <laughs> right now. I'm not saying they'll lose them all, but that's the thing. You got to start winning three and four of these games in stretches like that to have a chance to still really contend this season. You're not doing that. This team ain't winning four of those games. You know, you, you can clip that when they do. You've just, you have to, you're just guaranteed. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't, I don't know. People, there are people out there who still seem to have some faith and hope in this team. I'm, you know, I respect that they can do that. That's not my mindset right now. I'm glad Thomas is healthy. I'm glad he wasn't injured right. worse than he was. There are positive things. Thomas and Cairo both look great. All the people saying somebody ought to shit kick Jordan Cairo at some, you know, the Robert Bortuzzo fight that the thing that really won us the Stanley Cup, not oh, the yeah. red hot. Not the red hot out of nowhere uh, miracle story goalie or the new tough as nails motivational coach, but the you know the practice fight that happened a month and a half before anything good started happening on the ice that was directly responsible for this team winning the cup. Um, it's bad. The team's bad. It's all bad. And uh, yeah, I don't know. You have anything more you want to say about the Blues in particular? I'll look at their their individual stats because I was like, hey, Robert Thomas leads the Blues in points, 20 points in 22 games. Only four goals, but 16 assists. Frankie is mad. Yeah, Frankie is not happy about this team. Is, is Frankie a Doc's bun in disguise? Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay. I couldn't name I couldn't name my Fido um, Frankie because part of me is like then he's gonna faint at some point and I'm like oh no. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, the new uh, Pokemon games are out, and uh, they are fantastic. They're so good. They're jank. They're jank, but I honestly jank in like a fun Skyrim sort of way. Mine I haven't. haven't. Mine haven't like died or anything, so. They aren't actually broken for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I haven't hit, experienced a lot of issues with it. I think it's ambitious. I think there are ways in which I hate it. Um, there's way too much text. There's like too much talking. I don't need your storyline. I don't need. I don't need every fight I have to be preceded by a long dialogue with, um, <laughs> with the freaking headmaster and your lady friend and whoever like shut up i don't need any of that <laughs> there's not enough uh trainer battling i hate have you done any gyms yet i have not i'm on my way to the first one can i can i can i spoil a small aspect of it oh yeah introduce these gym challenges now so you have to do some like goofy nonsense instead of like beating a couple gym leaders on the way to the oh, yeah. gym which which they're kind of fun. Most of them are like silly mini games and stuff like that. They they're not bad on in and of themselves, but I do kind of miss that old, you know, beat beat a guy that has one geo dude and then a guy that has two <laughs> geo dudes and then beat Brock. You know, like they could have. I'm always think that too, especially with these like now you're open world and it's it's fully 3D and stuff. You could have had some like fun 
just like interior gyms. Then that's the other thing is like, aren't they all like battles like outside? Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. On like tennis courts or whatever. Because mm-hmm. people in Spain love tennis. That's right. It is kind of cool though, because they're like big city locations, you know, so they're all unique to the city. But yeah, I mean, it's there's some dumbness to it too, for sure. I don't know. It's good. It's, I love the game. I think that I think it's open worldiness and ambitiousness there is like off the charts and awesome. Right. Um, I love I being able to really like just jump cool. into battles. Like you hit a Pokemon yeah. and all of a sudden you're like, now you're doing it and then you're out of it. And that's like, oh, this is sick. Rather than having to like go through a whole like. Yeah. And the quick battles thing is cool too. Um, I think it's, I think it's awesome, honestly, that like, it's not super obvious where you need to go or what, because like sometimes mm-hmm. you'll stumble into a place where it's like, oh, all these Pokemon are like fifth, level 50 and I'm screwed now, you know? Oh, like, I took like one turn where I was like, I'm not even in a, that much of a different area. And then I was like, oh, it's like a Scyther that's a terrestrialized one. Let me go fight it. And I was like in the low teens and it's like, yeah, yeah. this one's 35. And I was like, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> and then you like can never i think that's a mechanic right if they're like higher level than you it's like way harder to like run away and i was like oh, oh yeah. no this dude's gonna fucking obliterate me and then part of me was kind of annoyed with that and then i had to like almost tell myself i'm like yo when was the last time in a pokemon game something just fucking ran rough shot on your team and i was like <laughs> you know it's been a long time so I'm like you yeah. know what yeah kill everybody aside they're fucking murder them absolutely let me what black a, out what starter did you go with uh, I went with the the, the fire crocodile with with Coco crocodile. Oh, boy, Coco, right? Quote crocodile is like fifteen games ago, wasn't it? Um, boy, Coco is cool. I am a Quaxley stand, but I kind of hate Quaxleys of all forms. So we're gonna have to. We're I'm gonna have with that. Although <laughs> I'm, Quax- we're gonna have to breed. That's not something you thought you'd hear on this podcast. But- Steve and I are gonna have to breed so that we can, you know, have each other starters. That's sure. That's sure. We'll have to do that. Do um, I know someone? I think I know somebody that got sprig sprigatito or whatever. Sprigatito. Sprigatito. <laughs> right, because it's like Spanish. Yeah, Tito. That's true. Weed oh, it is sprigatito. I thought it was spirigato, but it's sprigatito. You're right. Yeah, it's the weed cat. And it turns into florigato, which turns into meowscarada. <laughs> i hate everything i love uh, how the the bad the quote-unquote bad team says uh when the team star says hasta la v star mm-hmm. oh my god that's good that's good uh good writing that is cool um i like that they were tired of giving us bipedal fire uh fighting final evolution so this time they gave us a bipedal water fighting final <laughs> evolution. Said, you're welcome they'll never see it coming uh sorry for that nerd intrusion on the podcast we'll try to give more warning next time but we'll probably That's talk right. about it more it's our podcast you don't have to listen and you've don't. already turned the numbers they were already so That's pro right. so pro blues that like our negativity it just killed it that's that's exactly right um but let's talk about a few other nhl league stories before we move on um the biggest maybe just the one i don't know there's uh the jack edwards pat maroon story which i thought was pathetic and also very cool and in how pat maroon chose to redeem it um 
if you don't know Jack Edwards, he's a fucking clown who somehow because um, because Boston is a trash bag city, uh, he is the head commentator, the play by play guy for the Bruins and people out there love him. Well, not everyone. I shouldn't say everybody loves him. Pete Blackburn seems to hate him. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's just uh He's just a tool and stuff like this happens three or four times a season and it blows up for a couple days and everybody says, Jack Edwards should resign. And then he doesn't. And then it goes away and then it happens again. But during a game against the lightning this week, he talked about Pat Maroon and said, um, made some jokes about, Oh, it was listed at 238 pounds. That was day one of training camp. He said, I've got a feeling he's had a few more pizzas between now and then inadvertent fasting for Pat Maroon is like four hours without a meal, but Hey, three cups in a row who can argue with his formula. So just, you know, I mean, is it the most hurtful thing that he's ever said? No, Pat Maroon probably hears something more hurtful than that. Once a game, at least on the ice but was it completely unnecessary unprovoked and uncalled for and another unword on whatever as <laughs> doug armstrong would say um yeah of course so um it blew up a lot of people got uh some heat on it for pat maroon and maroon just responded by tweeting in support of those struggling with mental health bullying and body image i'm making a two thousand dollar donation in the name of real jack edwards to tampa bay thrives and I encourage Tampa Bay Lightning and NHL fans to join me. Donate here. Uh, and that's, you know, I think he said the co- comments were uncalled for, but he didn't go out of his way to, um, you know, say anything crazy negative. And I, I don't know, you know, they just got some photos of Pat Maroon here and in shorts and a hooded sweatshirt. He looks like he's in the best shape of his life, you know? So, yeah, right. like, I don't know. It's just, stupid incredibly dumb um i i don't it's jack edwards is good for like a a laugh here and there because he's just so into the bruins and everything and like just he's he's the homer like the homerest homer of like any nhl uh announcer um but it's like but yeah this just feels like so weird like just so like you said like out of the blue that it's just like whoa dude <laughs> shit i don't know it feels like you're at your parents house like yo dude your your mom sucks ass and it's like whoa hey what the fuck <laughs> all right but what the fuck um i mean yeah kudos to pat room for for turning that around and like an opportunity to like raise money and and you know talk about mental health but yeah i was just like i just yeah it's just like me i don't know like jack jack edwards has said some like mean shit in the past too and i'm always just like why is this guy i guess because it's boston like why is this guy still announcing he's a, i'll give him credit he's like a fun announcer like so that's probably why like he's actually like fun to listen to but it's just like every so often it's just like y- yikes dude like just chill a bit even the guy he's with the other boston the boston guy i don't even know who it is but he's definitely got a Boston accent is always kind of like quiet in these moments. Like, oh shit, it was mm-hmm. old Jack. Jack attack. Yeah. Um, it, there was that time that Roman Polak got injured, and he basically said it was bad hockey karma, and he referred to Polak as an absolute disgrace. Um, 
there are other times he said awful, awful crap about other people. Um, Frank Saravelli, who I believe is head of the PHWA, mm-hmm. um, said a blowhard broadcaster fat shaming a professional athlete and three times Stanley Cup champion. Pat Maroon doesn't deserve that. No one does. Go home, Jack. You actually sound drunk. Uh, <laughs> Alan Walsh, mega agent to the stars, said Jack Edwards is a disgrace. The way he gets off attacking players for things that have nothing to do with how they play hockey. I don't know if Alan is uh, Maroon's agent or not, but, you know, might be something to consider there in terms of conflict of interest, but not that there needs to be one on this. Darren Drager says, I would agree. This is he's agreeing with Frank Saravalli. Uh, there's no reason for any broadcaster or journalist to do this. It's embarrassing. Mark Lazarus says Jack Edwards is a buffoon. Thank God for the broadcast option on ESPN Plus. I'd never be able to watch a Bruins game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's always weird to me that these people exist and nobody can get them removed. But like you say, I think it's got everything to do with the um, the the Boston of it all and all that stuff. Um, so anyway... I like you said, I think I think Maroon put a nice ending on the story and all is well. He's got three Stanley Cup rings. He probably doesn't give much of a shit what uh what um Jack Edwards says about him, but was worth a mention. Uh here's another thing we could talk about real quick. Jason Robertson's I'm really fucking good, man. He's he's unreal how good this is. Yeah. He's went from like being like, oh, that's a nice find for them to be like, oh, he's a he's a very good hockey player. But oh, this dude's like a freaking uh, he's elite, a superstar. He's like, a, no joke. I mean, I think he sh- he should and might win MVP this year because we clearly entered that phase where they're not going to give it to McDavid every year just just because he could. And yeah, Robertson like, has twenty. Sorry, go ahead. No, I say yeah because he just win it every year. Robertson had a hat trick tonight and uh, has a point streak that stands at 17. Uh, he's pretty good. And what, when did they draft him? Like, was he, was he in the first round? Was he in the second round? He was a second rounder the same year that um, they took Ottinger and Heiskanen, which has to be one of the greatest drafts of all time. Um Damn. Let me let me find it because I believe I sent that to you earlier today. He went 39th overall. Hayskinen went third. Ottinger went 26th, and Robertson went 39th overall. Pretty good. 22 um, goals. Damn. So that's cool. It is um yeah, it's a cool they their story, their family's got a really cool story. I know his brother Nick was like barely survived infancy. Um, obviously they're I believe they're Asian American, which doesn't, you know, don't see a lot of that in Filipino hockey, Filipino American. And what continent are the Philippines in? Asia. <laughs> uh but some but, people would say that they're part of like Oceania, Oceania, well, or whatever that is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But whatever. Um, you can look freaking continent. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's unreal. Um, if you guys have, if you've never read the book, uh, I think it's called Before the Lights Go Out by Sean Fitzgerald. It is a, a really cool book where he kind of, I think it's the Petersboro Pete's um, he travels with for a year and kind of tells the story of their season and Nick Robertson's kind of the the Jason's brother Nick is kind of the best player on that team that he's talking about um but there he's telling that story but then he's also intermingling it with like talking about the state of hockey and how expensive it is and how you know it needs to become more affordable to survive and all that sort of stuff. Very interesting book. Very good. Highly recommend mm. for anybody that wants to read a hockey book. Um, yeah, I think, uh, man, I, I think that kind of covers it for this week. Well, we, but if you're talking about Dallas stars, you got to talk about Rupe Hintz. Oh yes. The Rupe Hintz contract. You know what? At first, when I saw that, I was like taken aback and I still am a little bit. I mean, it still seems like it's a pretty a pretty generous contract. Eight years, 8.435 million, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, I think that this is partially just a reminder that the salary cap's going way up. And uh, in a couple of years, that's not going to look that like that big a deal compared to mm-hmm. some of the all-star deals that have signed. And in a couple of years, boy, is Robert Thomas going to look like friggin' highway robbery at $8.15 million or one, two, five, whatever it is. Um, yeah. I mean, hence has been good. He had a career high year. I think he's one of those guys that everybody says is like, Oh, I mean, he's, he's a great player and he scores a lot, but he's a incredible defender and all that sort of stuff. I mean, if you look at his, I'll share my screen real quick. His uh, RIPM chart here is off the charts. It's literally off the charts. So, you know, I don't think it's a bad investment. And I think I think they're a good team right now. And they should be, you know, proud of what they've accomplished. I did not think they had this much depth and talent to make this kind of a run. But uh, that guy, Wyatt Johnson, has been really good for them as a rookie. Oh, uh, yeah. Obviously, Robertson's a superstar. I haven't looked. Are uh, Ben and Sagan doing anything this year? I mean, I assume they're not, but um, I think they've bounced back a little bit. Like, I don't know in terms of scoring if they have, but it seems like um, they've they've at least been serviceable at least this Ooh, season. Ben, so, I mean, yeah. that's good. Point, point for game for Ben's uh, 26 points in 24 games. And Rupe has... 26 and 23 games pavelski 25 and 24 games dude joe pavelski i i know we joke about him but that dude doesn't freaking age he's yeah, so right? good he's like 35 or 6 or something and he's underrated under underrated for sure uh tyler sagan 19 and 24 so yeah that team is firing on all cylinders and jake ottinger's been on real good uh they're definitely you know they're a team to watch out for. They're a contender this year, I think, for real. And I think when you look at our division, they are, the Avs obviously are. And um, how many, how much room is there for a third team to really be a serious contender in this division? I don't yeah, think right. there's like, a lot. It's, yeah, I would agree. I mean, 
that's rough. That's rough when teams that you didn't think were going to be that good uh, end up being a lot better than you think. And like in terms of just standing, it's like Dallas, Winnipeg, Abs will be there, and it's like ooh, just it's going to be tough sledding against the rest of the Central and some really good teams in the Pacific. Like I don't know, man. It's it's again the this team if it wants to can grab this opportunity ahead of them and like they're 500 so like you're not necessarily in a giant hole right now but the problem is they just don't so show me that you can show me (laughs) this is the the show me state i'm the show me state what do they call florida they call it the sunshine state what else do they call it they probably call it something else right like they probably call it big old muddy or something right in florida bayou bayou by the bay I think it's mostly the Sunshine State. The Bayou's, oh, that's Louisiana, my guy. Oh, that's right. Okay, what do <laughs> you got? The Everglades, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Swamp City, that's what we call Swamp, ourselves. You know, they call, us whole, they call this state Swamp City. <laughs> that's right. Get ready. That's um, exactly right. <laughs> how's, your, how's, how's your boss doing? He's okay? He hasn't... Oh, our, my German friend? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he uh it was it was actually I mean I watched the game today at work. So for those who haven't been following the World Cup, uh, which maybe we'd talk about a little bit because you've been following it some as well. Um Germany was in a group today. They uh got upset in their very first game by Japan, um, who deserve all the credit in the world. Uh they they lost to Japan, I think two to one, maybe just one to nothing. Um, but then they tied Spain uh, last over the weekend in a game they could have won. And so they came in tonight and they needed to win against Costa Rica, who are clearly the worst team in the group, and then have Spain win against Japan. Or they could win with enough goals that they could advance if Spain tied Japan. Um but what happened was that Japan, it was looking perfect. Spain had a one nothing lead, and, and Japan, uh, or Spain had a one nothing lead, and Germany had one nothing lead at halftime, and then it all fell apart in friggin' minutes. Ger- <laughs> Japan scored two goals in the space of like seconds, and one of them, oh, I'm still really shocked, wasn't called back. Um, for being over the line. And then uh, then um, Costa Rica scored two in quick succession. Germany battled back to score three more and they won four two, but spent which you know would have been enough goals to give them the uh, allow them to advance if Spain had been able to tie it. Uh, but they weren't and Japan beat them and advanced. So Japan definitely deserved to advance. They beat Spain and Germany Queen, which are two of the like real powerhouses of world soccer. So cool for them. But uh, I was watching it with two German friends from work and it was a painful afternoon. Um, I think he kind of accepted it and he kind of hates the German manager. It's sort of like Berhalter um, kind of hates him. And so like, at least he can take comfort in the fact that the program's probably going to change and there will be improvements. But yeah, it was, uh, it was not great. But USA, baby, that's right. They're advancing, and now he says he's fully on the U.S. bandwagon. So, oh, now we're gonna suck. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
St. Louis Blues wished luck to the U.S. team, so now we're doomed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but in any case, it's been a fun World Cup so far. I've mostly been. been able to ignore the fact that it's in Qatar of all places. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the that's the World Cup, baby. That's soccer, <laughs> baby. That's right. Ooh, this has felt like a weird episode. I think I've just got weird vibes about the Blues and you know life. It's December. I... It's an I, hour. If they win, if they win a bunch of games and our next our next episode has to be like, well, okay, they look good. And then the next episode has to be about losing a bunch of games. Like just pick a lane. I beg of you. Please don't mm-hmm. let your lane be 500. Like if not only if not only for this podcast so that we don't have to like do the whole uh they're 500 you know i don't have to literally say every time you just win a couple more games and you're in it sort of thing just like pay like just pick just pick one yeah but unfortunately i I think this is what this team is so it feels like yeah we are gonna be we're gonna be 40 and 40 this is our lane um yeah yeah yep and all we can do now is wait to see more games and have more data so i guess that's what we'll do um Happy December, everyone. I hope that those of you who celebrate holidays this month, which is basically every tradition in the world, enjoy said holiday, whatever holiday it will be. Um, As we get closer, I'm sure we'll we'll play even more Christmas music, but I'll find something seasonal, something holiday, something merry, something merry and bright for the folks. Um, So uh, yeah, thanks for listening. If you have listened this far, uh, enjoy Pokemon Scarlet and Violet if you're playing us. Let us know what starter you chose and who your favorite new Pokemon is on Twitter. See us over there at Two Guys One Cup. We must know. We have to know. And uh, maybe you, maybe you can trade us your uh, whatever the hell that cat's name is. Scarigato. <laughs> Arigato. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> What's it called? Spirit Sprigatito. Well, that's appropriate because it's time to say goodbye. (laughs) See you, everyone. Sayonara. For peace on earth and to spread good cheer A bash, a rocking party Filled with fun where the laughter is hearty It's the Pokemon Christmas Bash With Team Rocket, Rock, Misty, and Ash So without further ado Here's a Pokemon holiday greeting for you Who's that Pokemon At the Pokemon Christmas Bash? Who's that Pokemon? Team Rocket, Rock, Misty, and Ash Who's that Pokemon? Pokemon Christmas Bash Who's that Pokemon? Squat, squat, squirtle I'm Brock, back on the block From a quick little stint with Ivy's flock Two things on my list ain't many A kiss from Nurse Joy And Officer Jenny Santa please with your ho, ho, ho Put them both under the missile